know you've been praising the Lord, but did anybody bring God something a little more special tonight? Did anybody bring him a special praise? If you did, go ahead and give that to him too right now. The little widow woman didn't have much, but she gave all she had. And the lady with the alabaster box gave him his best. I think we should come to the house of the Lord and always give him our best praise. Amen. Musicians, don't go too far. I'm not really planning on being up here long tonight. I'm going to kind of drop this thing, and then I'm going to be done. Y'all pray for me. Not, not, not that I'm lying. No, not for that. <laughs> but you pray for me. And my voice today just was up here praying today, and it just went out. I found part of it back, so I'm going to try as long as I can speak. I'm going to say it, and if I quit speaking, then that means I'm done. But I'm also going to be done when God tells me to get done. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I feel a good spirit in this place. How about we just pick up where we left off this morning? What do you say? Hallelujah. You ought to be excited after this morning. I promise you I'm going to jump, jump right in, tie right in with him again tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to the book of Amos. It's not mentioned a lot, but it's the book of Amos. It is in there. Amos 9 and 13, and we're going to be there in just a minute. And uh, before I do, I'm ask my brother, if Bill Marvin, if he would pray over tonight's. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. We're at a such, a such a different time and place in our nation, and things are changing so rapidly. I've titled my message tonight, Time is Running Out. That statement is a mutual feeling of many in these days. Some many believe our time on earth is fastly getting shorter. I'm referencing the fact that we're living in the last days of God's dispensation of grace. Establishing the fact that it won't be long till the next thing you're going to hear will be the trumpet of God signifying the rapture of the churches to begin, followed by the voice of God instructing the Savior of the world to go get my church. Anybody ready? And who would that include will be based upon who is ready and who is not at that hour. Those that are ready will be snatched away from this dark kingdom here on earth unto a glorious kingdom of God in heaven. For those who are not ready, unfortunately, they'll be left behind. And at that time, we'll literally see the prophecy of Matthew 24 and 40 come to pass. I declared, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. So as to how many will be ready that day in this short period of time that remains will be dependent upon how much we labor to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this lost and dying world. 
And looking at the decline of the church at this hour and the chaos and the violence and the turmoil that's up on this land, it appears many will not be ready because time is running out. That's a deep concern to me, and it should be to you also. The Lord spoke to my heart less than two years ago. He said, Randy, tell my people, and I did right here from this pulpit, tell them God says, whatever you're going to do for the Lord, do it quickly. About me asking why, he said, because time's running out. Because I'm about to put my sickle to the harvest field. I remember that day. I remember I began to weep and plead. No, not yet, Lord. I still got loved ones. And I've got friends. And I've got neighbors who aren't ready. I also began to think how much more I still needed to do. I began to think of all the promises I haven't seen come to pass yet thinking that there's so much more to do. There's not enough hours left in a day anymore. Upon hearing God speak these words to me, I now live with an anxiety within me that I'm not doing enough, nor fast enough. And I feel an urgency. And I wake up every day believing we got to hurry. Looking around me, it looks like everybody's in a hurry, a constant rush. Faster I go, the farther I feel like I'm behind. And it's driving me to my knees Causing me to cry out to God for help. God, you got to help me accomplish my purpose. Because every day I feel like time's running out and I'm going to come up short of what you call me to do. Am I the only one feeling this way? For me, it's not enough to know I'm going to make it. I got to know others are going to make it too. My child, your child. My grandkids, your grandkids. I got to know today that they're going to be okay. And we're living in an era in our society where things appear to be accelerating. We now live in a society that demands faster and faster and faster. Creating a microwave society driven by a humanistic psychology on steroids. Faster communication, faster cars, faster planes, faster technology to where we always feel behind and we often struggle with trying to even keep up. Where's the boundary? There are no boundaries. Time is wasting away on the eve of that great and dreadful day that is soon to come. And we are experiencing morality uh, emerging in a very rapid pace. Sin is abounding. And it's like no matter how hard we push the brake pedal of life down to the floor, We can't stop it. We can't even slow things down. And our society is like a runaway train out of control at a speed that will one day cause the train to jump the track. But can I tell you, I got an email. I said I got an email Thursday from God. And I quote, he said, help is on the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Letting me know that no matter how fast things accelerate on this earth, no matter how hard our enemies plot against us, they will never get ahead of the plans of God. These things will never supersede him. Evil will never supersede him. Life can't outrun him. He was before everything. He made everything. There was nothing made that he didn't create. He created time, so therefore he was before time and will always remain ahead of time. No matter how fast things try to accelerate, God's plan for mankind will be fulfilled. It will not come up short 
because of a lack of time. The Bible says in the last days, knowledge will increase. But can I tell you, I don't care how much knowledge increases, it will never surpass the infinite knowledge of God. Can I tell you, no matter how much sin abound, God says in his word, much more will his grace abound. Can I tell you, sin can never exceed his grace? God is in control, even when it appears our nation is speeding out of control, like a runaway train without any brakes. God goes before us. He's already there before the train will ever jump the tracks, ready to put her right back on the tracks. What I'm trying to say this evening, fret not at the pace that sin accelerates or the wicked plans of our enemies, for God will always be ahead of the enemy's plan. God knows time is short. So does our enemy. That's why he's working overtime to attack God's people. But when our enemy turns up the heat on God's people, God will turn up his favor on his people. Time is running out, but help is on the way. We're fixing to come into an Amos 9:13 season. And God is starting to accelerate his favor on his people. And time will not run out on them until they have received everything he's promised and purposed for their lives. What am I talking about? Well, let's read about it. Amos 9 and 13. The word of the Lord says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. What that is talking about is God's favor upon the harvest. He's basically saying there's coming a day that just as fast as you can plant a seed in the ground, it's already time to reap the harvest. <laughs> I can see I got to translate this to a plainer language to help us more plainly understand this tonight. If you read the translation of the scripture in what's called the Message Bible, the author Eugene Peterson puts it like this. Amos 9 and 13. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. And I believe that what God spoke to his people Israel that day, he's speaking to us this day, that he is affording us the same promise he made Israel, that he's just about to make everything right. God's fixing to bless our mess. Time is running out, but with God's favor, we will outrun time. Israel went some dark times in their nation, a time of captivity, and God told them, I'm going to make everything right again for you. And when it's all over, he's going to restore back everything to them at the speed of favor. Blessings were going to flow exceedingly and abundantly upon them and their land. He said it'd be like sweet wine rolling off the mountains and the hills. And I've come to tell this nation, God is still the God of this nation, and we're still joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are to be a sheep nation. We're not going to be a goat nation. Hallelujah. There is a season of restoration coming back to this nation that the day will come when God will make things right again in our nation. Give God praise. I'm telling that's going to happen, that no matter how hard or fast evil this world works to destroy this nation, it cannot and will not destroy the kingdom of God in the process. 
Because the favor of God is about to be released upon God's people at an accelerated speed. Blessings are going to come so fast, it's going to make your head swim. Woo, what was that? Somebody's son just got off drugs. Woo, what was that? Somebody's marriage just got restored. Woo, what was that? Somebody just got their children's back. Oh, what was that? Somebody's daughter just got saved. Woo, what was that? Somebody just paid off the church. Woo, what was that? Somebody just got healed of cancer. Come on, somebody. Woo. And those of you who have suffered in your afflictions, get ready, get ready, get ready. Things are going to begin to accelerate for you. What used to take years to happen are going to happen in days or hours or minutes. And even some instances, they're going to happen instantaneously while you speak it. Those struggles are going to be over sooner than you expected. Those loved ones are going to be saved faster than you thought. And God's going to open up the windows of heaven and he's going to pour you out a blessing that you can't even contain and can't even explain. Favor ain't going to be fair in this hour. You're going to be able to do everything God called you to do before your time is up. That wayward son's going to come home. And he's going to make it to glory. Time won't run out on you while you're doing everything that God's called you to do. Time won't run out on you before you receive every blessing that you're due. And time won't run out on you before you receive every promise that God has promised you. God is never late. He's always right on time. And according to the scripture, it said that everywhere, that means everywhere, Everywhere, he said, there's going to be blessing in this season. There's going to be blessing everywhere. There's going to be blessing for everyone. There's going to be blessing over here. There's going to be blessing over there. There's going to be there's going to be one blessing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. It's going to accelerate. These blessings are coming back to the house of the Lord, to God's people who are entitled to them because you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You're entitled to everything that he's got. Blessings everywhere. Blessings over here, blessings over there, blessings everywhere, blessing. God says, behold, I do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. He said it should spring forth. That means it's going to rush in. Your Amos season is going to be a season of accelerated favor. Anybody ready for the accelerated favor of God? And I've come tonight to tell the church, the palace of praise is going to have an Amos 9 and 13 season. And God is going to put his incredible favor upon his people, making things happen so fast our heads are going to swim. We ain't going to be able to try to keep up with it. It's going to be one blessing on the heels of another. And when the season begins, everything ever promised it's going to begin to pour out. If you've ever wondered how God's going to fill this house, in this new season, as fast as we plant, we're going to get a harvest. And pastor, everything that's been prophesied and promised to you about this church, it's going to begin to come. It's going to come on one thing on the hills, hills of another. And I want to tell you something. 
you're going to be saturated with blessing. And everything that God called you to do, you're going to do it. You're not going to run out of time. All the way up, up until the day you go to glory. When he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've, been, you've done well, and I'm going to want you to enter into your rest. Blessings are coming to the piles of praise. To you, your families, your children, and your children's children. You're not going to run out of time. You're going to be able to accomplish everything that God has called you to do. It's going to be the greatest season of the church. And when, you, when it happens, you won't read this on the Wall Street Journal. It won't be reported on the doom and gloom media channels. But the headline should read, God is doing exceedingly abundantly above what the church ever asked or thought. Right now, everybody's focused on the COVID pandemic and the destruction it's causing to our economy. And rightfully so, we've been, we've been in a bad place. It's messed this nation up. Many feel time's running out for the nation. We're like a snowball. We're rolling downhill, headed for hell. But I've come to raise an awareness to another pandemic that desperately needs the attention of our nation. There is a pandemic of pessimism upon our nation, one of negativity and doubt and unbelief that is destroying the faith of our nation in and out of the church. And I can definitely tell you where this pandemic without doubt originated from. It came from the pits of hell. It's not a virus. It's a spirit released by the Antichrist to plague our nation with deception. There are so many people who have no hope for tomorrow. They've lost their faith in themselves. They've lost their faith in people. They've lost their faith in the church. And that some have even lost their faith in God. And while we gather and sing about the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac in our Sunday services, yet we live on money like he's some foreign God of the past. Like there used to be a time, but it's over. I come to declare he's not changed. He's still the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And the God of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac is still the God of the day. He's still the God of the mountain. He's still God of the valleys. He's still the God of the good times. And he's still God of the bad times. And tonight, thus saith the Lord, fear not, for I am with you, even to the ends of the age. God says in this Amos season, I will increase all you invest in. If you'll sow seed into the kingdom of God, if you'll give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken up. Will men give unto your bosom? I will bless you to be a blessing. In this Amos season, when you give, I'll accelerate the increase. I will increase the wealth of my church. It will have provision for its vision. In the midst of this pandemic, every pandemic you ever face, I will be, always be the source of your resources. An Amos season is a season of blessing. And God says, I'm going to bless my church. My economy, my economic plan will exceed that of this world. Because my stimulus package will include the power of the Holy Spirit and power in the church to survive. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. God says in this Amos season, I'm going to accelerate time. 
in order to accomplish my kingdom purposes. I'm here to tell you, you can get caught up so easily in this pessimism pandemic to the point you too, if not careful, will believe that time is up, that you're not going to make it. Your family ain't going to make it. Your ministry ain't going to make it. The church ain't going to make it. Even this nation ain't going to make it. And even your loved ones aren't going to make it. You believe they're so far gone. There ain't enough time left for them. Because you've been led to believe time is up. By what you see and by what you hear. But may I remind you the just shall live by faith and not by sight. Now in John 11, which you heard about this morning. About the messengers that came to Jesus. I said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus replied, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the glory of God so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus wanted, waited another two days before going to get his friend Lazarus. Upon his arrival, he found Lazarus had done been in the tomb for four days. And as you heard this morning, Martha ran out to meet him crying, saying, if you'd been here, my brother would not have been dead. He would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus goes to the tomb where they laid him, and he tells them to roll back the stone. And he hollers at a dead man whose time had run out four days ago. So everybody thought. He hollers, Lazarus, come forth. And as he commanded, he walked out of that tomb alive. Then they all had thought he was, he was four days late, that time had run out for Lazarus. But God wasn't late. He was right on time because he superseded time. And Lazarus lived long enough to fulfill every purpose God had for his life. He hadn't run out of time, but because of God, he outran time. So many people think their lives are over. Their ministry's done. Their purposes are gone. Their hope is vanquished. Time's run out. And they've come short of seeing their purposes and promises fulfilled. I've come to tell you, I don't care if it's been dead for four days and smells like death and the funeral's done been planned, the dream's been buried. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And if he promised it, he will fulfill it, even if he has to raise it from the dead so that the Son of God can be glorified. See, life is full of embalmers and anointers. You better figure out who you're hanging out with. Because them embalmers, they're always happy to help you bury your dreams. But them anointers, they'll help you resurrect them. Jesus knows what I'm talking about. He had both of them at his crucifixion that day. He had the embalmers, the Roman soldiers who were willing to crucify him, prepare him for his death. But then there was those anointers, Mary and her sisters, who went to his grave to anoint him for a resurrection. An Amos 9 season is living life at the speed of God's favor. One instance of God's favor is worth a life of labor. Now, every farmer understands when you plant a seed, it has to go through a natural process to get a harvest. In Genesis 8, God says, as long as the earth remains, there is a seed, time, and harvest. You plant a seed, then there's a space of time, and if things go right, you reap a harvest over time. That time between planting the seed and the harvest is usually a very difficult time. 
It takes a lot of work, and it takes a certain amount of time. But the promise God gives us in Amos 9.13 says, Now in this day, the plowman shall overtake the reaper. He's talking of a totally unusual harvest season that, that does not operate through a natural process, but a supernatural process. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, the days that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes that sow a seed and the mountains shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. Now that contradicts every law of nature that we know which implies we're talking about a supernatural act taking place. Any good farmer knows you need a season between planting and reaping, which is typically about four months for nature to do its work. But Jesus said to his disciples on one occasion in John 4, 35, say not ye there's four months, then cometh harvest. Harvest time is now. I wish I could get somebody in this church to believe it with me. If you believe it, give God a great big old shout that harvest time is now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, let me add a parallel scripture to this, Joel 3.18. It says, in that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk, and all the streams of Judah will run with water, and a spring will flow from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Acacias. That's a poetic image of an abundant blessings being poured out upon the land. And I've come to encourage the church with the truth. The days that lay before us look bleak and they look dark. The enemy's turned up the heat. He knows his days are numbered, that he's running out of time. He's plaguing our nation with fear and doubt, with his deceptive plans. He's even causing men's hearts to even fail them and leading many to believe God's plans have been aborted. Things have brought many to believe our time is up. Sadly, many are already waving the white flag and for surrender. But I come to tell you, I see a banner waving high above it all, signaling earth that heaven still stands, God is still on the throne, and help is on the way. He's still the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, who has a plan, a time will not run out before God's promises are fulfilled. Now, I'm going to illustrate to you what I'm saying because we're fixing to reap what we've sowed through an accelerated process of favor. I'm going to need some help here. Mike and uh, Josh, come on up here. I'm going to tell you, I've seen this illustration. I'm going to give credit to our general overseer. I've seen him do this illustration, and it fit right with me. Okay, Josh, you stand right there. And Mike, you come down here. And you stand right there. We're going to look at the natural process of getting a harvest. This is Mr. Seed. You're going to be that someday. Sorry, it's all I got to work with. Josh, you're Mr. Harvest. And you're what he wants to become. Okay, give me a strong man. Will, is he in the house? Come on, Will. When I say strong, that's who I think of. When I think there's work to be done, I call Will. The man works out lifting rear ends. Come on up here, Will. 
You can help me out. Test your acting skills tonight. So if when you got a seed, first thing you got to do, you got to break up the fallow ground. You got to have good soil and you got to dig. Now, Will, what I'm going to need you to do today, first thing you got to do with a harvest, you got to work. So, Will, we got to dig that ground. You ready? We got to dig that ground. That ground can get hard. Sometimes you got to put your foot on the shovel and pull it up, right? And you're going to get tired. Your back's going to hurt. You're going to sweat. You're going, you will break a sweat. And, and you're going to get, the days are going to be long, but you got to work. You got to keep on working. You got to break that ground. You got to get that ground ready for that seed. So stay at it, Will. Stay at it. There you go. Keep it going. All right. All right. I need some more help. Come here, Corey Reynolds here. Come on, Corey. Come on. Well, I'm going to need some drama. Come on. So when you got your seed and you're breaking up the ground, we got to have something else. This is Mr. Water. Come on, Mr. Water. Come here. Stand right here. Now, Corey, we got a seed, and that seed going to die if we don't water it. So all I want you to do is, is help water it, okay? You ready? Do it like this. Okay? Keep that water going. You got to nourish that seed. If you don't, that seed over there is going to die, and we ain't never going to have a harvest. Okay? All right. There's another process to this thing. Well, come on, Chuck. Chuck's like, I knew you was going to call on me. You always call on me. That's because you're good, Chuck. Come on, brother. He got into Christmas play and he ain't quit acting yet. <laughs> Sit right here. Sit. Stand right here. Now, when you got the seed and you got the plant and you got the water, you got to protect that seed. You got to take care of it. You got to pull the more weeds, try to choke that thing out. They try to kill that harvest. So, Chuck, say hello to Mr. Weed. We're going to pull weeds. We ain't going to smoke it. Okay, get down on one knee, Chuck. Now, we got to pull these weeds up. we got to pull up the weeds of strife and anger and envy and all those things that try to destroy our harvest, right? So you just keep pulling up them weeds. This is a natural process, and it takes four months for this to take place. And every one of us is in one of these places in our harvest. Either you're working or you're watering or you're pulling weeds we got one more process. April, where's she at? Come on, April. I seen today she had a big old watch on her hand. That's what gave you away. Plus, I need this crowd to look a little bit better up here. This is a pretty rough crowd. Come here. You stand right here. You got a watch on? Pull that watch. Here's the hardest part of the process. This is sister time. Time. Waiting. You know you planted a seed. You know it should have been here by now. It ain't showed up yet, so you're looking at your watch constantly. Well, how long is it going to take? I've got promises. I've got things that God told me was going to happen. It's been a long time. I ain't seeing nothing happening yet, but I'm still waiting. It's hard to be paid. This is where most of us are at right here at this process. We're waiting for our harvest to take place, and it seems like it just ain't never going to get here. So this is the natural process that takes place. 
But even Jesus came to a point in John 4 where he knew it was time to intervene a process. I'm talking about when Jesus and the disciples had stopped in Samaria and Jesus sends the disciples off to go get some food and he sees a Samarian woman at the Jacob's well and he talks to her and tells her everything she's ever done, how she's had five husbands. And he tells her if she drinks of that well water that she'll thirst again, but if she drinks of what he gives her, she'll never thirst again. And the disciples come back and they're all upset with Jesus and because he's even talking to a woman like that. And the woman runs off and runs back to her hometown and tells everybody, come and see a man that uh, told me everything I ever done. Could this be Jesus? And Jesus looks at them and says, don't say it takes four months no more, guys. Say ye not, it takes four months, then cometh harvest. Lift up your eyes. Behold, the harvest is white already. Jesus was starting a new season. Jesus took him that long to minister to that woman and get a harvest. He said, today is harvest time. Now, this is how your, your uh, Amos season is going to go. Seeds stay there. Harvest stay there. Everybody else stop behind me. Just join hands. Join hands up like this. Chuck, come on over here and join hands. Right, put your hands up. There you go. Y'all just join hands. Hang them. Hold them up there. Okay. It'll be done in about 30 minutes. Hold them up. <laughs> when he says the plowman shall overtake the reaper, he's talking about an acceleration of time. But all we know time is time. Time doesn't change. There's 24 hours a day, every day. So here is what he's saying. He's saying when he's talking about accelerating time, he's going to accelerate the impact of time. The value of your time, the effect of your time is going to increase. So that God says, so when I'm ready to intervene in your harvest, your family, your church, your ministry, your finances, I'm going to condense the process. I'm going to speed it up. So time can't run out on you before you receive everything I promised you so you'll accomplish everything I promised you to do. Now, you guys just squeeze in. Squeeze in real tight. Just squeeze in like you like each other. Big. Squeeze in. And he says, in my Amos time, I'm going to accelerate things. So now it don't take as long to work. It don't take as long to water. It ain't going to take as long to weed or take as much time as it did. Now, seed, come closer to the harvest. Harvest, come closer. Come on up here, right, right here beside him, Josh, right there. Now, you see, this is the least you can expect. But in Amos 9, God says he's going to do exceedingly above. He's going to do it above our expectations. He's going to give us more, and he's going to do it faster. Now, this is what an Amos 9 season proposes in this season. That God says, in the days when I'm going to intervene in your lives and bring you into a season of blessing, in this season, he's going to say, work's done. Thank you. Work's done. And seed's going to come closer. And he's going to say, there ain't no need to water or nothing else. Come on. And he's going to say, come closer. And then he's going to say, Mr. Weed, appreciate it, but I'm not going to lead you no more. And the seed gets closer. And then he's going to look at time and say, time, you've been patient, you waited, and now there's no more time needed. And what we get is we got seed and harvest overlapping one another. Because it says the plowman will overtake 
take this, the, the heart, the reaper. And in this new season, there's going to come a day where as soon as you plant, you're going to harvest. As soon as you harvest, you're going to plant. And blessings are going to start flowing in your season one after another. And this is what he says. Come here, Mike. Back up here a little bit. Come out here. Josh, you come on over here, and you face that wall. What he's, Turn around. Face the wall. He said, what's going to happen in this season, that the sower, the plowman, is going to overtake the reaper. So what he's saying is, in this season, he's going to plant, and before he can get it harvested, he's going to want to plant again. And then the reaper is going to say, oh, no, you don't. I got to get a harvest. And then he says, oh, no, you don't. I got to plant. And he says, oh, no, you don't. I got to get a harvest. And he says, no, nope, that's time for me to plant again. He says, well, get out of the way. I got a harvest to keep. And he just keeps on going, and they keep on going, and they keep on going. And that's how God accelerates this thing to where what he's trying to say in this Amos season, it's a time of sowing and reaping that's coming to the church, and I'm going to accelerate it. And what used to take days and hours and months is not going to take that long anymore because I'm in the midst of this thing. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. This is a season that God wants to bring us into. If you want God's blessing, start sowing into the kingdom of God with your witnessing, with your finances, with your time, and see if he won't pour you out a blessing with the accelerated favor of God. It's harvest time before time runs out. And in that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine. And the hills will flow with milk. All the streams of Judah will run with water. And a spring will flow from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Cassius. I hope you caught something here. A spring will flow from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Cassius. I like this. What he's saying Acacias is a dry and barren land. He's saying the blessings of the house of the Lord are going to flow out of the Lord's house like water into the dry places. What God blesses in here is going to bless out there. Hallelujah. And church, get ready for a harvest of blessings. That will result in an acceleration of souls. God's going to bless you to bless someone else. And it's not going to take four months no more. Not going to take all that labor and watering and time. Why? Because in the Amos season, there's going to be an acceleration of favor, and the harvest is ready now. It's going to happen when you didn't expect it. It's going to come faster than you thought. God's favor is going to accelerate on the body of Christ. God's people are going to start receiving one blessing after another. You're going to fulfill your purpose and your promises, and, you're going, and they're going to come to pass, and you're not going to run out of time to do what God has called you to do. What's God going to do? He's going to make your head swim. Whew, what's that? It's a financial breakthrough. Woo! What was that? My loved one got saved. Woo! What was that one? Well, that was a healing. Woo! My marriage is restored. God's going to make our heads swim when this begins to happen. I want everyone here to stand.